AFC John's Cats' back slightly earlier than planned with our first pre-season update ahead of the new season starting at the end of July. Coming up on this packed edition of the show, we hear from Scott Brown, our new director of football, Stephen Gann, Gavin Levy, our new academy director, Barry Robson on the Don's Youngsters, and new signing, Jay Emmanuel Thomas. Plus, the opening fixtures of the season and our Europa Conference League second round qualifier draw. All rounded off with some transfer and supporters news on the AFC Donscast pre-season update on Wednesday the 18th of June. Hello and welcome to the AFC Don's Cast. It's Graham McKay here with your first pre-season update of the summer. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. I'm ready if you are. busy show so let's get on with it and the immediate news this week is the opening fixtures of the Scottish Premiership campaign the Dons will face Daddy United in our first fixture of the season on Sunday the 1st of August at 3pm at Pataudry our Christmas fixtures will see us at home to Dundee on Boxing Day Rangers at home on the 29th of December and Ross County away on the 2nd of January with our final fixture before the league split also against Ross County this time at home on the 9th of April The Scottish Professional Football League also announced a new title sponsor last week, Cinch, the online car marketplace, is a new sponsor in a five-year deal that will run until the 2025-26 season. And hot on the heels of that is our second-round qualifier in the new UEFA Europa Conference League. The draw for that took place today, where we will be Gothenburg-bound against BK Haken of Sweden. Haken are currently bottom of the Swedish top flight, having only won just one of their last eight games so far this season. Our opening fixture will be at home on the 22nd of July with the away tie in Gothenburg on the 29th of July. Latest transfer news. The AFC Don's Cast Transfer Centre. Aberdeen have agreed a fee and a deal to sign striker and US cap Christian Ramirez from Houston Dynamo in the MLS. The club are in the process of finalising the paperwork for his transfer. The deal will be subject to an SFA tribunal agreeing to issue a work visa. Class knows Ramirez well from his own time in the MLS, while assistant boss Alan Russell also coached him when he was stateside. Defender Jack Gerr is also set to come in on loan from Atlanta United. The 25-year-old has a semi-guaranteed one-year contract with Atlanta United first team, with an option for a further two years should his loan spell work out for him. And yesterday, midfielder Teddy Jenks signed for Aberdeen on a season-long loan from Brighton and Hove Albion. The 19-year-old made his professional debut for Brighton in September 2019 and has featured for his country at under-16 and under-17 level. 
Michael Devlin has secured a short-term extension to his Don's deal to prove his fitness to Stephen Glass. Aberdeen have offered the contract until January next year with an option to extend the deal for the remainder of the season. Mikey is now back to full fitness after returning from an ankle ligament injury, which has kept him out of action so far this year. He suffered the ankle injury in early December and had only made two appearances last season off the bench in the double-header against St Mirren. Now McGinn has also extended his contract with the club for a further year. The 33-year-old Northern Ireland international has scored 87 goals for the club and has signed an extended deal that will keep him with the Dons until next summer. Aberdeen youngster Kevin Hanrati has signed a three-year extension with the Dons. The attacking midfielder, who has been a standout for the under-18 squad over the past two seasons, will now remain at Pataudry until 2024. The 18-year-old former SFA Performance School pupil has been a regular in the Scotland international setup at under-16 and under-17 level, and the move to secure Kevin on a longer-term deal signals the club's desire to be the best developer of young talent. Aberdeen confirmed in the middle of May that they have rejected a written transfer request from Lewis Ferguson. The club released a statement at the time saying that this request made after the club dismissed what can only be described as an insulting offer from an English Premier League club for one of Scotland's most talented young midfield players was rejected immediately. The club holds Lewis in the highest regard, having made a significant investment to both acquire and develop Lewis. He has a bright future ahead of him as an integral part of Stephen Glass's squad. With interest from Watford, clearly his agent is trying to broker a deal for his client. So if Lewis is to move on, it needs to be for the right price. The club rejected an offer of £2 million from Watford and it's expected Watford or other suitors would come back in with an improved offer for the midfielder. Lewis still has three years left on his deal with Aberdeen. Aberdeen have confirmed the departure of Bruce Anderson from Pataudry after the player agreed a pre-contract agreement with Livingston. The 22-year-old forward, who graduated through the AFC Youth Academy, made 39 appearances for the first team since scoring on his debut against Rangers in August 2018. Over three seasons at the club, Bruce was a regular in first-team squads, making four starts in total and scoring on three occasions, but he also spent time out on loan. During the first half of season 2017-18, the striker from Banff joined Elgin City on a development loan, scoring seven goals. He joined Dunfermline Athletic for the remainder of the 2018-19 campaign and scored on his Paris debut in February 2019 and went on to grab five league goals for them whilst at East End Park. And after spending the first half of last season on loan at Air United, Bruce returned to Pataudry in January before then going out on loan again to Hamilton Ackies, where he netted twice. Sunderland and Blackburn Rovers have joined the race to sign Aberdeen youngster Ethan Ross. The 19-year-old are on both clubs' shopping lists after turning down a contract at Pataudry. Stephen Glass is still keen, however, to keep him at the club. Aberdeen have signed forward J. Emmanuel Thomas on a two-year deal. The 30-year-old striker, who is a product of the Arsenal FC Academy, joined the club at the start of June. The versatile player brings a wealth of experience to the Dons, having played in the English Championship and League One before leading the line in the SPFL Premiership with Livingston last season. Very, very warm welcome to Aberdeen. Thank you very much. How's it, how's it feel to be an Aberdeen player? Ah, uh, yeah, it feels great. Obviously, I've heard a lot of Aberdeen over the years. Obviously, growing up in football, and obviously knowing Scottish football, Aberdeen's always been one of the clubs people always spoke about. 
and obviously playing against you guys this season and then now being involved in such a big club is a great feeling. You just had a wee look around Cormac Park, what, what's your first impressions of the place? Oh yeah, it's a great facility, obviously I've walked around and seen what it's like so far and obviously it's going to be a place where you enjoy doing your day-to-day -day work. James, obviously well documented, you had other options um, abroad as well. So. Why did you feel that Aberdeen was the right place for the, the next stage of your career? I think just based on the games that we played, obviously since I've been, I think we played each other three times. Um, just watching the style of play and knowing that what the club setup was like, obviously behind the scenes and obviously and then after actually speaking and negotiating certain things and knowing where the manager wants to go next was something that was interested in being involved. Finally, Aberdeen announced the departure of seven players following the end of the season. Ash Taylor, Tommy Hoban, Greg Lee and Shea Logan have all been released after their contracts expired. Loney's Callum Hendry, Florian Camberry and Fraser Hornby have all returned to their respective clubs following the end of their loan spells at the club. Shea is the longest serving of the players to depart, having joined the club on loan from Brentford in January 2014 before moving to the Dons permanently that summer, having secured our league cap win that year. He finished the season on loan at Hearts, making five appearances and helping them to secure the Ch Scottish Championship title. Ash Taylor leaves following his second spell at the club, having returned in 2019 after a previous three-year spell. And Tommy Hoban was signed permanently by Derek McInnes last summer after suffering a cruciate ligament injury while on loan with the Dons from Watford during 2018-19 season. Greg Lee spent the 2019-20 season on loan from NEC Breda and returned to Aberdeen last October after leaving the Dutch club. He didn't feature much since due to a hamstring injury. to a cocktail, Coach Lasso. Oh, the same thing I'd say to Diane Sawyer if she ever asked me out on a date. Yes, please. <laughs> Live from the dog track, it's Richmond with eight straight ties. How many more matches before you hit the panic button? There's two buttons I never like hitting. That's panic and snooze. I don't care what our record is. It's all about believing that everything's going to work out in the end. Exactly as it's supposed to. And isn't the idea of never give up one of the things we always talk about in sports? And shouldn't that apply to people too? It's a beautiful metaphor for many of life's journeys. Team's just a little unlucky, that's all. Maybe we should bring in a sports psychologist. Brought you a little something, something for your first day of work here. I don't eat sugar. Really? I've never met someone who doesn't eat sugar. Only heard about them. They all live in this godless place called Santa Monica. You got a fever for the flavor little girl talk, don't you? This chap I've been seeing, John. Stamos? No. His name's John Wingsnight. Like at a sports bar, like Monday night's Wingsnight down at PJ Flats. Would you please stop? Rule number one, even though it's called girl talk, sometimes it needs to be more like, girl, listen. What's Ted doing? Probably homesick. Closest thing he can find to a Dodge Ram. Back home, if a team was playing poorly, we don't call them unlucky. What do we call them, Coach? New York Jets. Ted Lasso is released on Apple TV Plus from July the 23rd for Season 2. 
Former Celtic player and Aberdeen's new assistant first team player coach Scott Brown gave his first interview for Aberdeen last week. Here's a wee snippet from the interview. First of all, a very, very warm welcome to Aberdeen. How did it feel coming into the training ground this morning? A bit strange? Yeah, definitely. It's been, obviously everyone knows I've been at Celtic for, for so long, but now it's a different chapter in my, my career. It's also to help Stephen out as well, uh, becoming an assistant manager and having that chance to play for Aberdeen as well. Aberdeen's a huge club, everyone knows. Uh, they've done well over the last seasons. It's always been a, a very, very hard place to come. So, no, I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a few different opinions but uh, let's be honest I've had that all the way through my career and it's part and parcel of who I am and what I am and I'm not always pleasant on the eye but uh, I'll give 110% and that's for sure I'm a willing winner and I want to win every game that I, I get involved in and I think that's why I came here, the challenge is, is great uh, as I spoke to Dave, I spoke to Stephen as well and the way they want to play football, the way they want to push forward is going to be exceptional. So we need to make sure we all buy into that as well and hopefully we get some good attacking football at this club. You can listen to the full interview with Scott on Red TV. Current Director of Football Operations Stephen Gunn has been appointed Director of Football at Aberdeen with over 20 years experience at the club. Stephen is a highly skilled and extremely well-respected individual within Scottish football who has played a pivotal role in the development and cultivation of the football business unit at the club. Following an extensive review of the football structure, Stephen will now oversee all football functions across the club in a wide-ranging role, including the first team, academy, women's team, recruitment, medical and sports science, performance, support operations, legal and compliance. Furthermore, the club is also seeking a head of recruitment following the departure of the previous incumbent to the role, Russ Richardson. Mal spoke to Stephen about his new role. Well, Dave, over the past year, uh, amongst other things, you've been reviewing the, the structure of the whole club and in particular the, the football structure. Um, you brought in the new management team, but there's also other changes you're, you're going to make as well. Yeah, well, I think these are, are changes that the, the board... Um, is making and they haven't just been uh, decided overnight. I mean, it's almost four years. Four years ago, we reviewed the whole business of the club on and off the field. Um, and in May of, I think it was 2019, you know, we, um, we laid out our, our strategy both on and off the field. Uh, we've been managed, uh, we've, ac- we've executed um, off the field a kind of revamp, real focus on fan engagement, the initiatives, Aber DNA, so on and so forth. Um, and the team there is, is doing really well. Um, and similarly, um, on the field, uh, that area of the business is, is a massive investment for the club. I mean, 90% of the, uh, pretty much the cost of running the club is on the football business unit, for want of a better term. So I'm uh, delighted to announce today that... Uh, uh, that, that the new director of um, the football business unit, director of football, uh, Stephen Gunn. Um, Stephen's been promoted. He's been with the club 20 years. He's highly educated. He has a, a master's in human resources as well. And when you think of the hundreds of people involved with the club, from players, young players, to the first team, to the women's team, 
everything that goes with it. So aspects that Stephen um, is responsible for and, and in many ways has been managing separately anyway will go from all of the, the academy to the professional side to the women's side but it's also contracts, human resources uh, and all that goes with the running of that. I mean in this day and age we have a duty of care, rightly so, to many many people and so um, keeping um, the engine kind of well oiled and on top of everything we do is, is critical and um, as we um, announced uh, Russ Richardson, our lead scout for many years, uh, Russ has, has moved on from the club which we announced and we thank Russ for everything he's done for the club and the travel he's put in um, being based in England uh, but a critical role for Stephen to fill now is a head of recruitment in this modern kind of day and age. This is about the use of some incredible technologies that are out there, looking worldwide, taking advantage of the collaboration we've got with Atlanta as well. So um, that's why we're announcing this today. Um, and so the whole uh, football business unit is going to come under Stephen. There's no pressure on you, Stephen. There's a lot of pressure on you, Stephen. And Stephen will report directly to me as the executive chairman, as does uh, Kevin McKeever, our finance and operations director, and Rob Wicks, our commercial uh, director. And I, of course, report in to, to the board. So excited to be going through this process. Um, and we think it's the right strategy for Aberdeen Football Club. Okay, Dave, there's a lot in there, so we'll break it down in a minute. But Stephen, just to come to you first of all, I mean, many congratulations on the appointment. I mean, I've known you a long time. I've known how hard you worked for the club, and as Dave says, in a real pressurised environment. So, very pleased for you. Just explain a wee bit about your role. Dave touched on it a wee bit. I mean, it, director of football, it, it, a director of football at every club is probably different. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um each club has to make its uh, its own decisions. What's what's right for for itself, and we've uh, we've had a way of working uh, now for some time. We spent a fair bit of time over the last uh, eighteen months to two years uh, working on our football strategy going forward. We've spoke plenty about it um, already, and uh, we need people to be custodians of that uh, football strategy, buy into that right across the the football operation and. I suppose my role is going to be um, bringing people along along with me in terms of trying to fulfil that, and ultimately, that's for uh, that's for success on the pitch. Um, I think we're lucky with the resource that we've got here, with the staff that we've got—a hugely dedicated staff—and um, all of us crave um, success. We've just came off the back of um, a, a you know a period where we'd like to have done better on on the pitch. Um, we're looking forward to next season with, with Stephen and Alan, Scott and the, the rest of the team um, and see what we can achieve. And my role is to uh, make sure that we've got the infrastructure in place to help those guys achieve what they want to achieve on the pitch. But as David was saying, it's not just first team. You've got the Youth Academy, you've got the women's team, you've got the medical, sports science, performance, support operations. There's a lot in the role, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um, to be successful in del delivering uh, that role, it's about the relationships obviously I've built up internally over time, the understanding I've got for those uh, different functions. Um, a number of the areas you spoke of there are critical in terms of what we're trying to achieve uh, on the pitch to help us obviously um, uh, 
get to that UEFA top 100 spot. Um, we've hit that ceiling, if not just quite been able to get to the uh, to the group stages. Um, we've, like I said, we've had a way of working for some time, and I suppose to get over that hurdle, it's what can we do differently? How can we be positive? Um, and you touched on the youth academy there, for example. That's going to be absolutely critical to um, our success uh, going forward because we know we're not going to be able to compete with. Uh, with the teams financially that we're likely to face in some of the European uh, competitions and um, what better way to to go and achieve that than to have a a core of homegrown uh, talent coming through um, in our team and that's something that obviously uh, Stephen and the guys have uh, fully bought into. It was a big part of the recruitment process for the new new manager and that's something that I'll be looking to try and make sure that we... um, we have uh, going forward. It's a lot of responsibility on young shoulders, well, youngish shoulders. <laughs> but I mean, you have more than twenty years' experience, is that right, at the club in the, in the football department? And during that time, I mean, you've pretty much seen it all, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, worked with uh, worked with a number of managers, worked with different structures, worked previously with a director of football, worked with a chief, chief executive. Now, obviously, working with uh, closely with, with Dave as executive chairman. Um, we speak uh, every day. Um, we're obviously both on the same uh, wavelength in terms of where uh, we want to take um, take the direction of the football operation and how that fits into everything else that we're doing on the um, on the non-football side. So, yeah, there's not a lot that we haven't experienced in in that 20 years, and I'd like to think that that's given me um, given me the grounding to be successful in this role. Um, but it's also allowed me to build up relationships externally, um, whether it's with governing bodies, whether it's with other clubs, uh, agents, players, uh, over that piece. And um, I'll be um, utilising as many of those relationships as I can to help us do what we want to do here. Dave, you talked about the, the new head of recruitment. I mean, just maybe speak a wee bit more about what type of person from the world of football are you looking for? Um, and also maybe what's the sort of timescale for the appointment? Well, um we begin the, the search process um, immediately, or Stephen begins the search process on behalf of the club and, and the board. Um, you know, a head of recruitment, um, you know, and in some other cases they're called directors of football, right, um, is a critical role. It's one where, I mean, the technology available today for searching for talent, to acquire talent, is, is incredible. And, and Stephen... Um, in particular, I spent time looking at numbers of different systems. We did with a, another one last week, one of the top La Liga clubs. And so um, being able to use technology as well as get eyes on players, you know, actually in live games, which is still important, the ability to collaborate with partners like Atlanta so that we can you know, look at scouting of players, South America, Americas in their case, in our case, we broadened for the whole of Europe. We're able now to tap into search, particularly on, on players. For example, the, the technology today, if you want to look for a player that's in a plays in, in the midfield in a 4-3-3 system predominantly with these attributes, um, it's incredible that the, the time and effort that saves. So the, the ability to um, have a global view to, to clearly understand, you know, we, we love the term, we might be wrong, but we won't be confused. We have a clear strategy on how we want to play and go about that. Everyone's bought into it in the club, right? 
all the teams, all the levels from academy through to first team. So it's finding someone there that is experienced enough to, uh, un- to, to embrace the technology and to, to, to kind of leave no stone unturned uh, across the globe for talent that we would bring in, uh, one to, in the younger cases, to complement our youth academy, right, um, as well as bring in seasoned professionals that we think can do a job for us as well. And, of course, that will include Scotland and England as well, but it's predominantly been uh, Scotland and England we've looked at before. So the world is a bigger place and football is changing rapidly. I don't know if you'd add to that, Stephen. Um, I suppose the best way uh, to put it in the opportunities that we have uh, going forward, I think, is if you imagine um, the football player market as a pyramid with the very elite players at the very top, it's, and, and it's narrow at the top there, so there's probably only a handful of players worldwide, for example, that will make Man City better. So they're fishing in a very small pond. Whereas at our level, um, there's opportunities out there. There's probably you know, a couple of thousand players um, across Europe or across uh, the world that could come to uh, Aberdeen and make, um, and make our team better. But it's about making sure that we've got the right infrastructure in terms of uh, the people to go and exploit those markets, but also giving them uh, the tools to, to do that effectively. Um, so again, that'll be part of my role to make sure that um, whoever the successful uh, candidate is, um, is su- supported appropriately so that they can actually go and deliver what we expect off them. And Stephen, it goes without saying, it's obviously a critical role, it's vital we get the right person in. Yeah, absolutely is. And I mean, that um, it goes without saying that anyone we, we bring into the club, uh, we want to make sure that they're buying in, uh, the club values. Um, you know, Aberdeen's an institution that's been uh, carved out over um, over 100 years. So uh, it's a special place to, uh, to work and um, it's not something we uh, take for granted. We know um, that uh, we're, we've got to be tested um, every day. Um, we're accountable for, for what we do and uh, anyone that walks through that front door will, will, I suppose, feel a little bit of that, that pressure as well to deliver. Um, but we want uh, people to be enthusiastic. We want them to be challenged um, and I'm sure that the, the candidate that we, um, that we select through this process, and it will be a, um, a robust uh, process, will uh, we'll take our time to make sure that we get uh, the, right, the right individual. Dave, as you said, Russ has left, and we, you know, we certainly wish him all the, all the best and thank him for, for all the work he's put in. But just where are we with the recruitment at the moment for the you know, new manager and the new players? I mean, it, it won't dis- disrupt things, will it, the, the change? No, listen, since, um, since the, um, the transition um, that took place, or the trans- transition through Stephen took place with Russ, then obviously um, Stephen and, um, and Alan and, and Stephen Glass uh, have been at uh, you know, the recruitment and picked up and been really focused. I mean, they've only been here four weeks, during which you know they've had a number of games to take on, kind of maybe a change in approach to uh, how we play um, and all the recruitment. So it's been a really, a really baptism of fire, so to speak. But the good news is, is that Stephen and Alan have had time to take a look at all the players um, that were here and decisions for for next season. Um, I think that um, it's always sad to see um, 
players go, particularly those that are tenured at the club. And you know, and Shea has been a fantastic servant for the club. I want to reiterate that. You know, he he won a trophy at the club, and he's been a true. Uh, he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve for the Dons, and um, and of course he's he's staying in Aberdeen. But uh, you know, Shea has been a fantastic servant. Ash has been a great servant as well. And similarly, you know, the time that Tommy has had um, here with us, it's been great that he's had a season of um, of almost kind of injury free, uh, uh, so to speak. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, we'll have a strong budget again as we'll come out in our financials when next season couldn't have gone through. It's really up to the manager how uh, he, Stephen, has sat down, how he wants to spend uh, the wage bill that we've got. And so, um, so, so excited for this next period. Uh, let's not forget that we've got the Celtic captain and we've got the Motherwell captain, both leaders, um, Declan, you know, a Scotland international that are on board. Um, when you have 24, 25, 26 people in a squad, you want to get the right balance in the squad. Um, so you can't hire 25 people that are first team starters on first team starter wages. You've got to get that balance right. And so that you can invest the right money in the right players in the right positions. It's no surprise to any of us that, um, you know, or any of the fans, that we were challenged in the last third of the field um, for, for, for most of the season. And so that's the area um, that Stephen and... Uh, <laughs> Stephen and Stephen and, uh, and, and Alan will be focused on. But I'll just remind the fans, it's important that we take our time to get the right people. Stephen, come to you. Just a wee bit on what they've spoken about. I mean, are you hopeful of getting most of the business done quite early during the summer or is it maybe nearer when the players come back for when the season starts? And also, how does it sort of feed into the wider club strategy, the recruitment this year? Well, Dave uh, spoke there about balance, getting balance in the squad and that's going to be critically important for us. Um, again, Dave mentioned already, you know, Scott Brown, Declan Gallagher uh, getting added. Um, two leaders that are going to uh, you would imagine play lots of games and um, be a big influence uh, on the dressing room. Not every player that comes in will, will have that uh, have that profile. Um, we also want to make sure that we don't block too many pathways for young players. Um, we've got development plans for a number of the guys that are that are already um, in the system, um, and we're looking ahead, sort of two and three years, as to when. Um, some of them uh, might emerge. We're seeing some of them emerge uh, now. Dave mentioned Calvin Ramsey, Jack McKenzie um, is the other one. And there's also uh, a group that we're really excited about um, just below that. So we, uh, I suppose my role um, in this, not from a technical football perspective in terms of um, selecting players, that's not what it's going to be, but um, making sure that we do stick to that, um, stick to that strategy, um, making sure that we do have development plans in place uh, for those uh, young players, not blocking their, their pathways, giving them the opportunities um, at the right time, um, how we manage uh, um, our loans. Again, the, uh, Dave touched on the Atlanta United relationship. Um, just before COVID, we nearly put uh, Jack McKenzie um, out on loan at Atlanta. 
it, that was um, restricted because the travel restrictions came in at the time and then obviously we went into lockdown. So unfortunately that didn't happen. However, Jack found a different pathway on a loan at Forfar, came back in the in the January window and he's flourished in our um, our first team since. So um, that's something we're, uh, we're really pleased about. But that, the profiling of the squad, future-proofing the squad, um, not, I suppose, finding ourselves in the position we find ourselves now where we've got a large number of players um, uh, out of contract. Um, so we need to uh, look at what we want to do now for future years. And we're already talking to um, a few players that are already in the building about extending their contracts. Um, and th- that's players that are, are not currently out of contract. So we want to make sure that we keep uh, the, the players that we want um, here for a, for a long time. So is this... It's almost like succession planning, is that right? You're almost looking sort of three, four years ahead, is that right? And, and just, you're almost trying to predict future squads, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. We actually do an exercise called predicting uh, the future squad. Um, you, you probably didn't know that, but we, uh, that's an exercise that we actually do. And uh, what that informs us in terms of, you know, how many minutes we think uh, players will play, um, what value we think financially they're going to bring to the team, we have a um, a pathway in terms of when we think uh, it, the optimal time to sell some of our um, young developing talent will be. Um, we want to make sure that we don't, um, you know, sell them all in the same window. We still need to be competitive uh, on the pitch as well. So um, we're being a little bit greedy here because we want to achieve so many different things. We want to be competitive on the pitch. We want to build a value in the squad that we can then reinvest back if we if we sell players, but we also want that throughput of, uh, of homegrown uh, talent. So, I mean, to, to try and achieve all three of those things will be, um, will be a challenge, but we're confident that we can uh, step up to that challenge. Just, I mean, signing players, it's not an exact science, is it? I mean, some work out, some don't, but every player that is signed, there's an enormous amount of work that actually goes into that, isn't it? Just background and players, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean... Um, I think uh, you know people think that we wait for the out of contract list to come out at the end of the season, and um, and we go through that and start to pick some names off. But uh, there's been a, a huge amount of work over the years uh, gone into um, you know uh, convincing people that Aberdeen's the right um, opportunity uh, for them, um, convincing people to move home, move families, and move children out of uh, out of school. Um, so we need to make sure that we always have a good story to tell uh, potential players coming to the club. And I'd like to think that um, we've had more success than not um, over the last number of years. And uh, Dave's already touched on the work that uh, that Russ Richardson uh, did um, during uh, Derek's tenure. And uh, we, I just want to echo what Dave already said. A, a huge uh, thanks to Russ. I've been in the trenches with him um, a number of times uh, on the on the lead up to, to deadline day. Um, to get things uh, to get things over the line, and it's that sort of commitment going forward um, that we're going to need to see from obviously myself and uh, Stephen Allen and others that are going to be involved in in that process. Um, we've all got a role to play to try and bring uh, the talent we want to, to Aberdeen. I was just just to add to that, Mal. You know, um, and and you see lots and lots of names attached with Aberdeen and speculation across the board, and um, many many. Uh, the, the players that are raised there uh, are not players we're ignoring, right? Um, it takes two to tango. And so uh, not in every case does every player want to come to Aberdeen, 
or want to come to Aberdeen for the right reasons. So, um, you know, uh, <laughs> this last, having been back here the last almost seven weeks now, I mean, it's um, every night, right? Um, you and Stephen and, and Alan, the guys, videos after videos after videos till early hours of the morning, you know, and, and, and talking to potential players um, as well. But it has to be right for us. It has to be right for the players that want to come here for the reasons that um, um, Stephen mentioned. And if any player is really hesitant about really wanting to be at Aberdeen, if we've got to constantly chase them, chase them, chase them, we don't want them here. They have to want to be here for all the right reasons that Stephen uh, mentioned. But uh, no, we're, um, we're confident that over this next uh, period of time, Our goal clearly is to get the work done as early as possible. Um, And and so, um, you know, it's difficult to to ask the fact. Listen, I'm not a patient guy myself, so I actually empathize with the fans. Like, like, where are these guys coming in? Where are we going to fill these holes? Last year, we had nobody out of contract. Thomas Cherney, who re-signed, right, and then retired. Nobody out of contract, and we added players. Stephen, no pressure, mate. It's up to you. <laughs> Just finally, right? Taylor fans, what's it actually like signing a player? It must be a great feeling because the amount of work that goes in and things, let's just say, things don't always go as smoothly. Because the problem nowadays is, more often than not, the names appear in the papers, right? And that's, the club can't help that, okay? That's various reasons, agents and that type of thing. The names appear. And then the pressure's on you to actually get the, the, over the line. But there's an awful lot of obstacles in the way, isn't there? Many obstacles. Um, you know, convincing the player to come if the player's already at a club um, if he's not and we want him to come, it usually means that um, he's got a good level of ability, which means that there's going to be other suitors uh, for them, so we're always competing uh, for the best players and I suppose because we, um, we've we had that pool of talent that um, that we're wanting to, if it's coming from out with Scotland or, or it's already within Scotland, we'll, we'll always be competing with the same types of clubs, Hibs, Hearts, Dundee United. Um, and that's, I suppose, why we're looking to uh, you know, open up our, our horizons beyond, um, beyond the UK. Um, how can we uh, most benefit from our relationships and the Atlanta United partnerships there? Um, we're, we're looking at, uh, at other relationships that can help benefit us going forward um, as well but um, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say it's, it, it, it's exciting um, it is a challenge and obviously every time a player puts a name on the paper and uh, we sign it at our end that's a huge commitment and um, it's a huge commitment from us committing to that player and that's a huge commitment for the player uh, committing to the club for two, three, four years um, whatever uh, that may be and there's a pressure attached to that to get it right on both sides Players can make decisions to go to clubs that might not suit them. And Dave mentioned you've, you have to do it for the right, the right reasons. So if players want to come here, I suppose, to be, be competing at the top end of the league, helping us get over that hurdle in European uh, competition. And, uh, you know, we've had our fair share of disappointment recently. Um, and we've seen uh, a team celebrate uh, at our home ground finishing third. We've seen a team lift a championship um, on the day that we, uh, that we got defeated by them. And uh, we're hungry for that. Um, we, w- we don't want to be on, on the other side of that. And that's something that we crave. Um, so we take that disappointment off the last couple of weeks. 
and we use it as our um, our drive to go and make sure that that's us next time around. So yeah. let's give you the final one. one. Yeah, and, and, and Stephen's right. Listen, we have high aspirations as club, and it's important that you um, that you have these aspirations, and it takes a lot to pull together to to achieve it. For example, we set an aspiration over the medium term, getting to fifteen thousand season ticket holders, because that would put, for example, about I mean, right now the season tickets cover about fifteen percent of our costs of running the club. Thankfully, DNA um, that between the season ticket holders and the DNA members, it gets to about twenty percent, which is is kind of vital. If if we can go from eight thousand to fifteen thousand season ticket holders, all of a sudden we have another couple of million available there to invest in our operation. Everybody's doing their bit. We've been through hell this last year. A 10 million hole to find and everyone has has contributed, you know. And so it's important for and myself and, you know, I, I, I like the term, it's about giving a people or giving the club a hand up but not necessarily a hand out. What we do has to be sustainable in the long term. Does it require um, cash for operating purposes? Ignoring the fact that we've got 50 million to find for a new stadium, then that's what we'll do and continue to do. But um, having a clear strategy that we've got now and how we're going to um, dovetail into that and be the best we can be is key. Let's not forget, next season will probably be the most competitive league in Scotland in a long, long, long time. I mean, a few years ago, there were no Hearts, no Hebs, no Dundee United, no Rangers, right? They're all there now, which is, which is good. It's competitive, you know? It's great when we get back to fans having Dundee United. It's great going down to Dundee United. It's great going to, to Tyne Castle and to Easter Road, right? We, uh, as a club, will be co- very competitive wage-wise. Our financial results versus clubs similar to us state that already. And so what we're trying to do this year is to take our wage, significant wage bill and use it as best we can use it, right? There's one thing, and I know I'm kind of rambling on a bit here, but there's one thing that Stephen and the guys showed me when uh, uh, just two years ago, which is it's a traffic lights. If you're spending X thousand a week on a player versus X hundred a week on a player, your expectations of the minutes of these players are, you know, higher, decent, much lower. And when you see, for example, um, in terms of playing time, the highest paid players up in the red zone, right, with cost, that's an imbalance, right? We have got to, and listen, every club faces it. In, in some ways. So we have got to get that right balance between the players that we're investing in at the high, uh, the more experienced players, let's say, through to the younger guys coming through, so that we've got green, so to speak, right? Yeah. All, over, uh, all over the board. So this is an opportunity for a reset. And, um, you know, we've obviously announced as well that, um, that, that, that Jet has um, joined the club. And um, Stephen and the guys see him as being one of a number of attacking options, a number of which we've still got to go out and get, but believe he will be an important player for Aberdeen um, in the next year or so. So, you know, my appeal, which is tough, 
to ask the finances to be patient as we go through this. Trust us, right? Uh, and, and again, as Stephen well knows, I'm not that patient a guy. You know, he's probably, when I'm back in the States and he sees a U.S. number coming in at 11 at night, he's probably throwing his phone out the window. But My wife is. <laughs> your wife is. But, but Steve, right? Everybody is, everybody is up for this with the club. Let's, and my message then to everybody is, let's do this together. We'll continue to be as transparent as we can be. This season is over. We've learned a lot of lessons. There's a reset, and we're certainly up for it and hope the fans are up for it as well. Guys, we could sit here all day talking, but Stephen has to go sign some players, so we better let him go. <laughs> but Stephen, just fine, I mean, you do a brilliant job for the club, and I know how much the club means to you, so I'm delighted for you, and we wish you all the very best. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate it. Well, have you on Red TV soon? Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Also getting new roles is Neil Simpson, who has been appointed the club's first Pathways manager. He'll be working with Stephen Glass to support the transition of young players emerging from the under-18s into first-team football. Gavin Levy has also been promoted to academy director. Both roles are seen as integral to executing the club's football strategy. Amal caught up with Gavin to find out more. You've been promoted to Academy Director as part of changes to the football operations structure. First of all, well done. And can you give us a bit more insight into your new role? Yeah, um, we've obviously looked at everything club-wide. And um, for me, I've been here a long time now. And the opportunity to take a lead on everything with youth development from under-18s down was obviously something that I was going to jump at, of course, and something that I'm really looking forward to taking on the challenge with. And... Um, we've obviously remodelled it slightly um, but I think we're a football club who's always changed because we want to be better so for us um, change is normal and I wouldn't imagine there's going to be huge change because you know Simi's taken the lead before that Lenny Taylor and then Chip McClellan and you know, for me it's a massive privilege to go into a role and follow on the success that these guys have had um, over the years as well and you know, first and foremost to thank Simi for being you know, a type of line manager to me who let me run and uh, you know try to evolve the academy to the best of my ability with his support. Touching a couple of things there. First of all, the academy is now going to be organised into foundation, youth and development phases. How do you kind of see these changes affecting the youth side and the pathway into the first team? We, we, we want to use terminology that's understandable and um, if you were to scratch the surface of that, you, you, would, you would see exactly what you want underneath. And for us, foundation is the pre-academy to the, the children's programme, under-12s, is the foundation stages of developing a player. Um, and Liam McGarry will head that up as normal, so his title is the only thing that's going to change about that. His remit and the job he does is fantastic, that will continue. We'll open up a, a new role, which we will advertise very shortly, in the youth phase, which will be an under-13s to 16s uh, phase manager in the youth side. And that role will also in, um, involve being the lead coach at under-16s, before they move on to Scott Anderson and Barry Robson at the under-18s, which is now going to be called the development phase. And the reason we think it's important that it should be called that is because not every player in the 17s and 18s is professional, um, but we also believe that that's an area which needs massive development in, especially when there's going to be more of a pathway going into the first team. We need to make sure we're successful at that, and 
make sure that these young players who are going into the 17, 18 year olds, having left school or not, get a full programme, they get full-time job and they get absolutely obsessed with learning everything they need to about the profession. And we've got a bit more news to catch up with. Zoe Ogilvie has joined the board of directors of Aberdeen Football Club this month, becoming the first female director in the club's 118-year history. The Aberdeen businesswoman has been appointed as a non-executive director with a focus on marketing and communication strategy as the club ramps up its fan engagement and community programmes. A highly regarded public relations practitioner in Scotland, Zoe has almost 30 years communications and marketing experience in the UK and abroad, including eight years with Aberdeen and Grampian Chamber of Commerce as public affairs manager before setting up Big Partnership. As a director of Big, now one of the UK's largest PR and marketing agencies out with London, Zoe heads up the Aberdeen office, which represents clients in the energy, property, professional services and food and drink sectors. She's also on the board of governors of Robert Gordon University and the board of directors of Aberdeen Inspired. Zoe is married with one daughter, Francesca, who plays for AFC Women and was a Scotland under 19 internationalist. And talking of the AFC Women, they They've returned to action with a bang, coming out 7-0 winners against bottom side University of Stirling Women in their first match since lockdown. We rocked up six goals in the first half from Gover, Collins, two from Thompson, Hutchison and Ogilvy, with the seventh coming in the 68th minute from Penman. The winning streak continued, running out 3-0 winners away to Queen's Park Women last Wednesday, with three second-half goals from Francesco Ogilvy. Aberdeen Football Club is encouraging supporters to participate in the public consultation on the city centre master plan and beach regeneration, which potentially could see the club move to a new stadium at the beachfront instead of the site at Kingsford. You can have your say at communityplanningaberdeen.pointsimulator.com. That's communityplanningaberdeen, all one word, .pointsimulator.com. Barry Robson took time out recently to catch up with Red TV to talk about the under-18s. Here he is with Mal. We can't do is we can't just become a team of sitting in a four-four-two off the game and um, letting other teams have it and try to win the game. That's not what we're trying to do. We've got Ryan Duncan, um, who's come in and played a few games since there. Kevin Henry. Now these players need to know how to play their positions properly in the way an Aberdeen team wants to play. Um, Young blessing the goalie Finlay Murray. They need to come in and know that they need to get quicker. They need to be able to press the pitch high. So there's no point in me coming in and teaching them now to sit off the game. They have to learn the way Aberdeen wants to play. So they learn it now and yeah, we're going to get stung. We know that, I know that, but that takes time to learn. So there is points in the game when I'm watching going, I can see it happening, I can see it happening, but they'll learn their lesson, you know. And once they learn the lesson, we get together in training. You can start to see it already. The decision making starting to get better. They're going, oh, you start to see it in them. So that's the way... And that's why under 18 level, when you, I hated that saying when the results don't matter. I think you need to learn to win. You need to be a winner, especially if you want to play for Aberdeen. Um, you need to be a winner, but you can tell that you're not going to win every game when you're going to try and teach these boys the right way, and it's going to take them time. Well, it was built up for you to believe, only for us to fall at the first hurdle as Scotland went 2-0 down against the Czech Republic on Monday in our opening game of Euro 2020. In the other opening Group D fixture, it was England 1, Croatia 0 on Sunday. That means the Czech Republic League Group D, followed by England both on three points, Croatia in third on zero points, alongside Scotland in fourth. Scotland line up our second match against England on Friday evening at Wembley for the 8pm kickoff. You'll be able to watch that live on STV. 
The 2021 AFC Big Supporter Survey is now live. It's the fourth year of the survey and it's our biggest yet as we look to take feedback from supporters on Aberdeen Football Club and Scottish football. You can take part and also have the chance to win a new Adidas home shirt by completing the survey at invernessreds.co.uk forward slash AFC 2021. The club announced the launch of our new Adidas home kit last week and it's looking quite smart. You can pre-order the kit now online and in the club shop at Pataudry or get the shirt if you're part of Aberdeen. Deliveries will commence on Monday the 5th of July and you'll be able to buy the home kit and goalkeeper home and away kits from 10am on the 5th as well. Season ticket holders can also get 10% off the price of the new shirt. The away kit is expected to go on sale at the end of July. All of our 2021-22 Scottish Premiership and UEFA Conference League fixtures are now available online at inversreds.co.uk forward slash fixtures, where you'll also be able to sign up to get automatic fixture updates throughout the season for your smartphone, tablet and computer calendar. And that's it for our marathon pre-season update as it stands at the moment. You can follow all the latest on our social media on Twitter and Facebook. Just follow us using our username Inverness Reds and on the website at inversreds.co.uk. Fingers crossed for Scotland on Friday. Enjoy the match and I'll catch you back here for a pre-season update two on the 6th of July. Till then, stand free. Oh. Uh-huh.